Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about a series of pilgrim paths across Europe called the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. And I just want to thank you for your support. The download figures are incredible, and I'm most grateful and humbled by your support. Thank you. My guest this week hasn't walked the Camino. He's not planning on heading to Spain until next year. So why on earth am I speaking with him? Well, I thought we'd spend the next 45 minutes this week talking about awareness. And I think walking the Camino presents an opportunity to raise awareness in us and in others. And I always throw a quote at you to begin. And this week it's from the Christian author Joyce Meyer. Having a rough day? Put your hand over your heart. Feel that? It's called purpose. You're alive for a reason. Don't give up. Andrew Priestley is a business coach, and he wrote to me last month to say he'd been listening to my earlier podcast with Nancy Fry, and Nancy spoke about disconnecting from technology to reconnect with ourselves. And Andrew wrote on Twitter, the idea is to disconnect and be present to get the benefit of the walk. If you don't switch off, that doesn't happen as well or at all. So I thought I'd take the opportunity to talk with Andrew to explore awareness, mindfulness, and how we can use our life experiences to excel as people and as pilgrims. Andrew's on the line. Andrew Priestley, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Dan. And, and mate, you do that so well. You do that incredibly <laughs> well. <laughs> I just love the intro. I, I, before we get going, Dan, I just want to say thank you so much um, I have personally enjoyed so much out of the podcast and I put so many people towards it and they all come back with saying the same thing. Just how how generous you are in seeking out people to talk to about this and then interviewing them. And it's just been really uplifting. I, I, I found it, it changed it certainly changed my decisions about what I wanted to do and really crystallise it. So I just want to say thanks. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. You're a business coach, Andrew, and you're used to getting inside people's heads to convince them to change. So I thought I'd tap into your head to see if I could learn a thing or two about change. And the first question is, why are we reluctant to admit we need to change? Ah, uh, mate, that's such a good that's such a good question. In fact, um, I when I did my business coaching, I actually went back to university and I did a, a industrial organisational psych degree, and my majors were dysfunction, abnormal psychology, and believe it or not, addictions. And I was studying people like um, Prochaska and DiClemente, who they're the the world experts on on why people change. And and they say that the very first thing is a lot of people just don't even admit that they've got a problem. They they feel that nothing does need changing. So if that's the case, if you're fighting that, then you're not really going to say I need to change anything. So part of part of what we're trying to do as a business coach, particularly, is we're trying to get people to to acknowledge, okay, here's where I am now, but importantly, here's where I want to be. And that then creates some motivation to change. And therefore, we often find pilgrims on the Camino uh, saying to themselves, I'm here because I know I need to change, something needs to change, or I'm waiting for change. I don't necessarily know what it is. But, but by, by taking, the, uh, taking the initiative to get out there and walk, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to change. But one thing I wanted to say to you about that and you talk about addictions and you talk about people battling sort of demons if you like 
we rarely compliment ourselves, do we? I don't think we do, mate. I think, I think, uh, I mean, if you get into the psychology person, I, I work with um, high performance people, people who are who want peak performance outcomes. So it's not, I'm not really down at the clinical end, but people who've got a really good game and they just want to take it up to the next level. They want to take it up ten notches, and but the one thing that's consistent about those is, mate, the amount of self-talk that um, you know I'm. I, I, that people go through when they're sort of thinking something through. We give ourselves a pretty good, a real, a real hard time more often than not, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know someone who is very, very successful, and he says often yeah. to me, "Don't make excuses. It doesn't achieve anything, does yeah. it?" No, no. Well, uh, I would say stop rationalising. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's a, a lot of people are very, very. They do dumb things. People do dumb things and then rationalise it. They sort of, um, otherwise we go crazy. <laughs> so that's that's the demon you're up against. But um, yeah, I mean, but uh, I I think the thing is that one of the things that got me listening to the interviews that you were doing on from your podcast was just the a the the, the diversity of people who've done the walk but also to the insight that that you got into the inner mind which you started off by talking about this when people were talking about what was happening to them while they were while they were doing the walk i found that fascinating yeah because i know the pilgrimage is a great way to let go of excess baggage and as one of my interviewees lou dregley said leave the heavy stuff behind I imagine that's something that you would tell would be telling people as a business coach. Look, there's no point worrying about stuff like that. Leave the heavy stuff behind. It's as true on the Camino as it is in life, isn't it? I, th- I think so. It's and it's. I mean, f- for me personally, it, it's a couple of years ago. I went through a couple of major changes, which I, I won't elaborate on too much. But um, but that really gave me pause for thought because I mean, I work in this industry and I work in this space of of getting people to be at their very very best and. I sort of found myself in a place where um, I started to think, oh, how do, how do I how do I deal with the demons that I'm working with? And one of the pieces of advice that I was given was to just go for long walks. And so two years ago, I started to do uh, long walks in, and I'm based in the UK and I'm down in Kent, and there's some beautiful walks around here. But I started to do very long walks, like three or four hour walks. And then all of a sudden the Camino popped up. I was um, came home from a walk about two years ago, and there was a movie on called The Way, which I think you've, you've probably I think you know you've, you've spoken about it or talked about it. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. But those long walks for me were um, sometimes I just couldn't figure stuff out. You know, I thought I'm really smart guy, so why have I got these these problems? And and going for the walk for whatever reason, connecting with nature and doing that inward journey and that that awareness part, if you like. Um, stuff started to unravel and and uh, and sort started to sort itself out. But it was, I think, you need the time and the distance. And I think that was for me the probably an appeal of the Camino that I'm looking forward to. And the rhythm of the walking, I think, too. Yeah, people talk about that. As a yeah. musician, did you get that? Yeah, oh my word, <laughs> oh my word. It, 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 yeah. I can almost work myself into a trance when I walk. Uh, yeah, because yeah. Uh, you know, there's always a song in my head. So I'm always walking to a particular rhythm and, and, and just, yeah. it's, it's almost trance-like. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. So these long walks, did you, did you do it intentionally or did you just continue to walk and get longer each, each time and, and then you found yourself finding this awareness and space and you thought, I'll, I'll keep doing this because I quite like it? 
Yeah, it's 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 funny because I started off with short walks in the in the local woods, and I live in a part of um, the UK that gets some the best weather that the UK is ever going to get down in Kent. If you've seen the TV show The Darling Buds of May, well, I live about probably half a mile from where that was filmed, but the woods around here are just superb. But I would go out for say an hour in the woods, and then I'd I'd like it. But over time, I started to miss it if I didn't go for a walk, and then the walks got longer and longer and longer. And but I enjoyed that more, and I think it was you know I, I work with a lot of people sometimes who are trying to figure stuff out, and and they're really smart people, and sometimes they just need to, as you say, let go of stuff, get outside, go for a walk, move. But sometimes you need a really long walk, and I think you know being Australians, we sort of know that that. Um, we know a little bit about walkabout, for example, and a lot of people don't do that. Maybe the Camino is a form of walkabout for us. Yeah, it could very well be. Do you find when you're teaching uh, and coaching a business people that they are reluctant to change because they they how much what am I trying to say that they they don't believe that they need to change? And and yet we yeah, probably what, all need to in some respects. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at at the very heart of it, you talked about awareness. I mean, clinically, awareness, and without getting all woo woo on you, but awareness has two parts to it. One is situational awareness, which is I'm aware of what's happening around me, and you know, you need that for survival. We're we're hardwired for survival, so you need that awareness of what's happening out out outside around you. But you've also got response awareness, which is how am I responding to what's happening around me. And so a lot of times we tune into what's happening outside, but not what's happening inside. So when I started um, coaching, I worked with high-end, if you like, high-risk environments where you had leaders who were working in things like mining or they were working in um, uh, EPA, water environments, or they were working in, in medical or legal or whatever it was. But when you make a mistake, you either get uh, fined a lot or somebody gets injured or dies. So... Uh, you've really got to um, talking to say guys out on a mining site about awareness was is quite amusing, but but the end result is we made it okay for them to say you know I don't feel okay about this, yeah. and they would open up and speak about it, and that in result turned into lives being saved or people not being injured because they in the same way that the Australians had uh, Australian Airlines have had this culture whereby anyone any one of the cabin crew and I've worked a lot in aviation can walk up to the pilot and say, look, I'm not happy about this and it's quite okay. They've created a culture where it's okay to, to, to say what you're thinking about. And, and I think the highest example we're seeing of that is probably, uh, I don't know if you've read Ray Dalio's book called Principles, but he's the CEO or the retiring CEO of Bridgewater in America. He's like the Steve Jobs of finance. But he's created what's called a meritocracy where it's okay to speak up and say what's on your mind. Um, to do that, you've got to have take your awareness right up. You've got to be aware of what you think and what you feel. But I think the Camino gives you the opportunity to do that. And then you also then need somebody who's a good listener. Totally, yeah. And, yeah, and exactly. I've said a million times, pilgrims have to be good listeners or should be good listeners because it creates an awareness in you then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I had a question for you because you've done the Camino a couple of times from different starting points. But um, uh, I, being psych trained, mate, I, I 
I sort of wanted to look at the research. I, and I, I, you know, you go upstairs into the head part and go, okay, the Camino, what's this all about? And I started looking at the facts and figures sites. And, um, firstly, what stunned me was that uh, I think they only started taking records of people who walked the Camino back in about 1987, where there was about 3,000 people. And in 2017, 300,000 people registered to walk the Camino. So it's, it's absolutely exponential growth in in that particular walk. But my question for you was, did you run into people who wanted to vent and download and you just said, oh, no, I had this, I just want to walk on my own? Or did you find that happen at all? Well, not not me. Because I, I the first time I walked, I was very insular. Uh, and right. But the second time, I, I said that I would be open to everyone and, and everything, and I was. And so I never once said, oh, I don't want to listen to this person unloading to me. I was happy to be that person that lent them the the caring and sharing and loving ear yeah. as it were. And, and I'm really pleased I did. I'm really pleased I took the time and I'm really pleased I, I made the effort because I heard some extraordinary stories, some extraordinary stories. And I would quite often wonder, just walk up to people. You get a sense, Andrew, when, when you're on the Camino that if someone is ahead of you or, or the, 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 they, you get a sense whether they want to talk to you. Um, they might slow down or, you know, they're looking at you and you think, oh, they don't want to talk. They'll say Buen Camino and or what have you, hola, and, and, and they'll just walk on. But when someone wants to walk and, and talk, they will slow and, and match your pace. And therefore, you're walking yeah. along side by side with them. And I would quite often say, why are you walking the Camino de Santiago? Yeah. And the answers 99 times out of 100 were magic. Magic. Yeah. Walking for all different reasons, um, for motivation and and for commiseration and for inspiration. Uh, you know, that's one of the great things about it. I like to think I'm a good listener, um, but yeah. there are times when, because I'm a great talker, <laughs> I could talk all day. <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. but I think it's very important to to be to be a good listener. And yeah, and I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah. If I'm working with a client too, I think the listening part is is often I've got an opinion about what I want, what they're telling me, but more often than not, I'll say nothing and hold the space for them because maybe a couple of seconds later, out comes the gem, out comes something, the insight that they were looking for. So more often than not, when I'm working with a client, I, I can pretty much trust that they already know the answer to most of the questions that they're trying to solve, but it's giving them that time. And I, but. For me, Dan, it was. It's. I got to a point, as I say, a couple of years ago, where I felt, um, you know, I, I I hit a milestone age, and I thought that that gave me a lot of pause for thought, and I started doing the, you know, there was a bit of an identity shift, and I thought I really got to figure this out, and I was using all my bag of tricks, and it wasn't working, and then a good mate of mine said, I think you need to just go for a long walk. And but I found that was that thinking time. It was that uh, you know, if I look at some of the stories that I've, the books I've read about the Camino and and that, and a lot of the research, for example, like, and and you had a, an amazing guest, um, Nancy Fry, uh, Fry or, or Fry? How does she say that? Well, I Nancy think it's Fry, Fry, isn't it? I think it's Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the anthropologist, and and um, you know, she was talking about. I think she's got an amazing website called Walking to Presence, which. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff on there, but she's really looked at what's sort of happening when people go for these long walks. And, and so I was really intrigued to read up on that stuff. But then I've sort of hit a point where I've said, no, I know I just want to go and do the walk now. 
<laughs> yeah, I've that's read it. enough. Yeah, well, that's right. And that, uh, that is Walking to Presence. Nancy Fry's uh, website is outstanding. There's some terrific stuff there. And in, yeah. indeed, there's a yeah. video where, you, where you, can, you can listen to it as you walk as well. You, you told me that the Camino just snapped back into view a year ago. You'd read Palo Coelho's yeah. book a few years ago. You didn't like it or really get it. Then, you, as you said, you saw no. the way and you heard my podcasts. Yeah. And then your niece in yeah. Geelong and Victoria rang you in London and asked if you'd like to walk the Camino with her next year. And you said yes. So, so what do yeah. you hope to learn about yourself, Andrew? Um, I, I think, firstly, uh, AI, the motivation to walk the Camino, I, I, I didn't really take from the movie the way that it was about the Camino. I took, I took it more about it was that man's journey with grief, for example, of which I was really interested in in um but the thing with my niece was i'm close to my niece and i was really really delighted that she came out of the blue and i remember and, and said do you want to walk this and i remember listening to the podcast with sanjeeva who walked with his son um uh, you were it was one of the your very yeah. early podcasts yeah, 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 yes, and and I, and i connected with sanjeeva as well and had a lovely chat with him but i really found that i thought oh should i walk it and would i do it with my niece and then i heard that podcast and it really encouraged me to, to do that because, because Sanjeeva was saying at times she'll want to walk ahead and go and do her own thing and you'll connect up. But, but again, the thing he was saying was take time for yourself on there as well. And, I, and I'm at a stage where I really feel I need to take a bit of time just for me, even though I'm going with my niece as well. So I was sort of – I think it's the, the inner journey that I'm looking for. And I think the, the bit that inspired me about Nancy's work was she said about – uh, she talks about t um, technology on on the Camino, and and her, her her concern was that when people take mobile phones, that um, that you know they're staying linked to the world, which is an outer journey, rather than doing the inner journey work. And the purpose of doing the walk is to do more of that inner journey, that meaning and purpose, which is what I'm really seeking. Yeah, that's yeah. Very, so there's very physical challenge, but the meaning and yeah, the meaning and purpose part is yeah, that's more, than, right. more than anything. Yeah, and, and and that's exactly right. Yeah, it is an inner journey. And now you're curating a book of pilgrims stories. Yeah, well, well, interestingly, I started, and I I, I want to just preempt that I'm not critical of anyone who's written a story on or, or a book about the Camino. But again, I'm a, I do a lot of research, and I read a lot of books. Um, uh, there's a lot of books out about the Camino, and I read a lot of them. And I'm also as well as a business coach, I have a publishing company. And um, over time, I've learned how to – I've written a couple of best-selling books and I've helped other authors take their book to best-selling status as well. So I sort of know what works and what doesn't work if you're going to do a book. And I found that curated books work really well. And I read a lot of Camino books where there's a good story but there's not a good book in it. And, and maybe there's two or three chapters where – um, the story is brilliant, but then the author runs out of insight, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So they've then got to pad, pad a book. So I wrote a – I do a book called um, Fit for Purpose Leadership. It's a series, and we put one – two books out a year, and we, we curate about 18 different authors on with their opinions about leadership, for example. And I thought – I was sitting there one Sunday morning, and I'd actually just listened to the podcast – Nancy Frey when I heard this and I thought oh, I should do a curated book on my Camino and I thought that's a bit cheeky because I haven't walked it yet but I thought why not Why not ask a whole bunch of people who have walked it just to tell this story because I was inspired by your podcast but I also know people like to read stuff so um, I put it out on Facebook and I was just deluged by people who walked it who 
A, thought they had a book in them but couldn't get around to it, but thought the idea, the charm of writing a 1,500-word story uh, was really appealing. So uh, I got inundated with people who said they would do it, out of which I think we've got about 20 for the first book. And then I can't believe the range of, of stories that we've got in there. We've got the good, we've got the bad, we've got the ugly, we've got people who met on the Camino and married, we've got young people who did it, we've got older people who did it. I've got a fitness nut who one day in got blisters that lasted the entire journey and his wife, who's no fitness whatsoever, ended up without blisters and walked it in a breeze. It's just everything. I've got a story where the Camino left them just disappointed um, and flat, but uh, a year later they realised the, the gem of the Camino snuck up on them about a year later, just how wonderful it was. So, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. Like you, when I listen to your podcast, I'm just amazed at what stories people will tell and what they'll share, and that's come out in this book. So uh, I, I borrowed a little bit from yours. Yours was My Camino. I put My Camino Walk as a, as a title of the book. And with that in mind, I wanted to honour you and I asked you to write the foreword for the book. Yeah, and I was absolutely <laughs> de delighted to do so. Just delighted because I, I, I love to talk about it. I drive my wife and family insane talking about the Camino. And and my yeah. friends are all, yeah. uh, you know, they're all, uh, no, he's not talking about the Camino again, is he? But but so that's why I, I really love to do this for an hour or two a week. I sit myself down in a quiet yeah. place and, and, and talk about it. And then and the feedback I get from all around the world is just quite extraordinary. Just in the last 24 hours, I've had half a dozen messages from people, yeah. people from Canada, people from the UK, people from Ohio, uh, from Canada. It, it's just, it's it's amazing. Uh, Scotland, I've got one there from this morning. So, so it, that yeah. that makes it special for me and, and keeps it special for me. And and I suppose in a, in a sense, I'd like to think that by continually reminding myself of the impact of the Camino, I'll keep trying to be a better person. And that's not such I, a bad I think thing, I, right? Mate, I, I agree with that. And I think the challenge that 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 I I took from you was to keep the integrity of it, which is allow people to tell their story. Um, you know, you know, we have Australian story on on Australian TV, which I love. I think it's the best half hour of TV I, I, I ever watched when I was living in Australia. But um, but I think it's the challenge is to keep the integrity of it and allow people to tell their story. And in a way, you listen really well when people are doing that. And I sort of took a lot of inspiration for that from uh, the Mike Camino walk, which which is coming out as a Kindle and a paperback as well. But um, but I think it's the to not get in the way of them telling their story, if you like. And and I know I haven't walked this Camino, and I know it's a bit cheeky, and I'm probably going to go along and suddenly get a become a real zealot for it as well. But I'm enjoying this part of it, just just curating other people's stories, uh, and I'll get to mine. I know that part. Yeah. You know, that's one of the great things about what I do. Uh... Listening, yeah. listening, and sharing, and that's a beautiful thing. Look, I've only I've got just a handful, couple more questions for you. Um, I've got, sure, I've got to go back to to to, to the awareness and, and the mindfulness. Uh, people are frightened of change, as I said earlier. But what's a simple thing that you tell business people to do uh, so that they can instigate change? Something simple that somebody's listening to that, thinking, "Oh, I really need to change, but I don't know where to start." Yeah, I mean, awareness is a wonderful thing. We we we're all we all have um, an onboard system of uh, which gauges reality. It's called our awareness, and it, it works perfectly if you actually listen to it. 
And um, a lot of people are so busy and we, you know, with all our technology supposed to make life easier, a lot of people have made their lives more and more complicated. And more than anything, um, they don't create the time or the space or the quiet to actually slow down and stop. So, for example, uh, meditation is a part of my daily practice and I do a very simple meditation, but it's more of a listening. And a lot of people will... Um, rush answers very very quickly so in coaching more often than not the coaching works because we're creating the space to actually talk something through but also giving them time to actually hear what they're saying and and uh, you know it's we're creating slowing down giving them the time and allowing them to do that i in my experience most people are aware of what's going on in their life and what they need to do um, and sometimes their awareness is telling them they need to change something. And so if I'm working with a guy who um, very, very wealthy, uh, tremendous business, but has got health issues and his, his body is telling him, slow down, uh, drink more water, get off the coffee, get off the cigarettes, stop arguing with people, just really basic bog standard things like that, but ref- a refusal to listen to it. So a big part of that is is really... Starting, starting to manage the obvious, if that makes sense. Starting. So a lot of my clients, to, to start to manage the obvious, more often than not, you know, a lot of, a lot of high performers, it's really obvious to them what they need to be doing, but, but they resist that. So really a coach, in my case, I create that space where they can talk about what they're aware of and, and invariably what they need to do next becomes quite obvious to them. How but you- if they create that time... How do you define potential? Um, that's a great question. That's a really good question. Um, you can take it from one angle. Like uh, I find that a lot of people actually are the handbrake on their own life. They actually limit themselves unbelievably. And, you know, that's limiting belief systems. I can't do this. And invariably, I was with a company yesterday. We were doing a strategic day. And... Um, they were talking about what they're doing. They run a charity, for example, and I said, why don't you see yourself as a national or global charity? And it was a real shock for them. They had Here they are working at a national level and they don't even call themselves a national charity and they were embarrassed to even say that that was what it is. So um, as soon as I said it, though, they suddenly realised, yeah, of course. So sometimes we've got this potential sitting inside of us, but we we then run interference on it. We think, no, that couldn't be the case, that won't work. And we focus more often on on what we've got now or what we don't want rather than where we want to go. And a lot of people I work with are focused on where they where they are now or where they don't want to go. They talk about what they don't want rather than what they do want. And the brain's a marvellous thing that once you actually start asking what do I want and where do I want to go with it and give it time, then suddenly the brain goes, okay, you're serious about um, reaching potential, you're serious about achieving goals, you're serious about moving, it'll start to give you the answers you need very, very quickly. And I think that's a little experiment I want to do with myself on the Camino. I want to sell. You had a couple of guests who there was one. Was it? I don't know if it was you, but you took maybe it was you that you took a year or a decade of your life and you spent a day thinking about a year or a decade of it, your life and yeah, five years at a time. Five years at a time, and I thought, what an amazing thing to do. Well, um, the brain doesn't care about time because you could also say, what am I going to do five years from now? You know, and think that through. That'll be a really good Camino experiment. What's life going to look like in twelve months, three years, and five years? Maybe that's maybe that's something I need to and, do. And, and you know what? That's fascinating <coughs> because mm. that's 
that's really challenging your internal potential. Totally, totally. I mean, to think of it this way, Dan, we've got we've got easily ten billion to ten trillion new ten trillion neuron connections in your brain. Do you think the brain can't work out the future? <laughs> and where you want to go, it can't come up with ideas for you. So some people, I say, what do you think about this? Or if I said, I want you to think of five good reasons of what the future, five really great things about the future. They, or I want you to think as many things as you can think about about the future, and they come up with five things and then they get stuck. Or if I ask someone to, here's, a, here's something I ask people to do all the time. I ask them to talk to their mobile phone on the voice app, why do you do what you do? And you've got to talk for at least 20 minutes. Right, so you've got to get a cup of coffee or a beer or a chardonnay or something, and you talk to your phone. You're doing something with your life, but why are you doing it? So the challenge is to talk for 20 minutes. Why do I do what I do? And just record the answer, and then listen to what that answer is, because your ears are like the BS detectors. It 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 it'll sort that out. That's a wonderful thing. So when you're going for a long walk, you're talking to yourself and listening. But I just say talk to your phone and then listen back to what you said. Some people come up with the most amazing stories, but what most people do is they run out of puff around the two-minute mark, and that's really symptomatic. It's really what Nancy was saying about it's symptomatic of our time that we've just got such short attention spans. But if you force yourself to go beyond 20 minutes, you'll be absolutely amazed at what comes out. I mean, and so a lot of times I get people talking quite a lot about what are you doing, why are you doing it, where are you going with this, why do you want to go in that direction, how would you do that, when are you going to do it, questions like that. And then most, the most startling answers come out of it. I received an email this week from a PR company and the subject line flashed up on my computer. It said, why our quest for happiness is making us miserable. And the concept yeah. was, we're all someone to begin with, strip back the embellishments and add-ons, all the social media profiles, labels and identities, and be yourself. Because you, yeah. you, you might then just find happiness. And, and and I've put here a true pilgrim's quest in many ways, Andrew. Yeah, I think I think you said you started this interview by talking about letting go of lightening the load. I mean that that's an interesting thing. Most people are, are re reality with a lot of fantasy added on top. So when I'm coaching someone, we look at what the reality is and what the fantasy part is. And when you drop the fantasy part, you then create a vacuum like for potential or for peak performance. Um, but you do have to let go of stuff. You've really got to do that. Uh, but, yeah, a, a, a lot of times it's, you know, there's a saying that, that I pretended I was X, Y, Z, but the reality was, and I do that activity with a lot of people. I pretended I was this, but the reality was that. And when when they, we, we I think you, you're fine. You're very, you need very, very little. I mean, I just, you know, I'm, I found doing a lot of walks, my values started to come to the top, such as health is a, is a high priority for me now, and my and my family's always been a high priority, but my health really, really came to the came to the top. Yeah, well, the, the the last two and a half minutes you just talked about then was you were just describing what it's like on the Camino de Santiago. You, yeah, you shed, you 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 walk the first first third, and really bash yourself up. The second third, you're in the meseta. And you find a certain clarity yeah. in the third section of the Camino. You celebrate the new you, and that's very much what you were yeah. just talking about: shedding all of that stuff that we don't need. And I mentioned it before that Lou Dregley said, "Leave the heavy stuff behind." And I suppose yeah. that we both agreed in our own way that we are on a true pilgrim's quest, all of us. 
Yeah, I, I think that's why I'm really looking forward to doing this for nothing else than spending time, on, A, spending time with my niece, but doing a little, lot of that, you know, just seeing what happens. I, I don't really have an agenda, but I just want to spend time just doing a lot of – I want the physical challenge, but I, I – um, we had a TV show here of people who walked the Camino. It was on the BBC, and they walked certain sections of it. Then they got bus rides for the filming purpose. They wanted to, you know, fast forward the thing. And the, the amount of people I've spoken to who walked the Camino who said, "Don't take the buses, do the walking," because those really long flat parts are good opportunities for you to go inwards. And I think I'm really looking forward to that. Not not that I've got any expectation of what it might come out, but I know from doing long walks. A lot of my life has started to sort itself out. A lot of things that I, I wasn't consciously able to process have started to work themselves out, maybe unconsciously or subconsciously, and just by giving it time and, and distance, maybe. And, you know, sometimes what bubbles to the surface is not always all that pleasant. But it's, I, I, it, but I it's best that. that it has bubbled to the surface. Yeah, yeah. Very much I so. I mean, you know, I... I yeah, I mean, one of my long walks was was I remembering I was remembering a, a very painful incident that happened to me around when I was seven years of age, and I hadn't thought about that for years and years and years and years, and exactly that happened. It bubbled to the surface, but um, the the nice thing that happened was the perspective that I have now as a grown up, for example, I, I was able to integrate that quite quickly, and 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 more importantly, quite kindly. Um, you know, because I'd always, uh, for a long time, I'd, I'd felt quite ashamed and bad about what had happened when I was, uh, you know, quite a young person. And, um, but it was nice to sort of integrate that in a, in a over, over maybe a series of about three or four walks. It was lovely. And you, as an adult now, were able to yeah. be a good listener to the seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. As a coach, mate, I, I often say it's grown-ups work. Coaching is grown-ups work. It's, it's uh, you know, it's the, the kids the kids go nuts with some of my clients. They're inner child. You know, I have that concept of inner child. I believe we've got an inner grown-up too. Yeah. A lot of people talk about the inner, the inner child, but, but, but we've also got an inner grown-up. And, you know, if somebody falls over in front of you, what do you do? Will you stop and pick them up? That's grown-ups work. You know, when, I, when I'm walking with my grandson, for example, and he gets a bit distressed, I say, you know, it's okay. Grandpa's got it. It's grown-ups work. And he gets it. He can be a kid and he knows he's got the back. I think we've got that, that inner resource as well. Um, you know, in that, you know, listening to someone is grown-ups work and, and going on a long walk and integrating stuff has to be grown-ups work. I think you're going to make a pretty good pilgrim. <laughs> Mate, I'm already on it. I'm already on the pilgrimage. <laughs> I started two years ago. <laughs> Andrew, take me a while. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, it's a bit of a different podcast, but it's very much opened my eyes to the possibilities of of you being a pilgrim on the Camino and in life, and indeed me being a pilgrim on the Camino and in yeah. life. Yeah, great insight. Great insight. It was a great chat. Thank you so much for your scholarship and your time any timeline on on my camino walk volume one yes 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 um volume one uh i'm it, it will be out on kindle uh i would say within the next 10 days so it'll be up on kindle on amazon and then the book will be available uh we've timed it for late spring if you like and early summer and then the second book we're timing for the spring camino Oh, oh, sorry, the autumn Camino. How lovely. Yeah, how so there'll wonderful. Be, yeah, so there'll be one to time for the spring and then one for the autumn. So I've, by talking to a lot of people, I worked out that people are really hungry for information around about those two peak times. 
because nobody wants to walk it through the peak of summer or the dead of winter. So, well, that's right. Well, good luck with well, it. Well, when I say no one, not not not, yeah. not many people relish the thought of walking in forty degree heat or thirty five degree heat. No, no, but some people stupidly yeah. do it that time, just like me. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> yes. thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. And, and good luck in 2019 with your niece. And I'm certain that I'll be talking yeah. with you when you come home. Yeah, I, I know we'll talk further. And, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a precious time. And again, Dan, I want to say thank you uh, for your inspiration. Uh, I've put steered people towards the podcast and they say it, it's the best hour of listening that they do every single week they just keep coming back to it. they're really hungry for what you've got there and i just want to thank you for doing that it's a, it's it's a real commitment it's not lost on me the effort that goes into producing so i want to say thanks thanks andrew all the best buen camino my friend buen camino Andrew Priestley there, an author and business coach. You can find him at andrewpriestley.com. My Camino Walk Volume 1 will be out, as he said, on Kindle in just a couple of weeks' time. And the hard, the paperback out a little bit later this year. You'll find it at andrewpriestley.com. That's all we have time for this week. Remember, the Christian author Joyce Meyer, having a rough day? Put your hand over your heart. Feel that? It's called purpose. You're alive for a reason. Don't give up. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino.